Welcome back to the podcast, Unbinding the Bible. This is episode 170, Seek First the Kingdom of God. And on the podcast this week, we are going to wrap up Matthew chapter 6 by looking at verses 25 to 34, which more or less form a nice unit and bring our thoughts, or Jesus' thoughts rather, to a close at the end of chapter 6. And so what I want to do is read the passage for us and then do a little bit of a pastoral way of walking us through this passage. I imagine it's fairly familiar to most of you. Jesus is um, encouraging us not to worry, not to be anxious, and I, I don't want us to receive this as a as a judgment or any kind of a condemnation on his part toward us, which I have heard this taught as and preached as, and I don't think that's Jesus's heart at all. So we'll start at the end of the section and sort of work our way backwards, but I hope that you'll be encouraged by this and it will be um, something that you'll be able to look back on and re-listen to and, and just be thankful that we serve a God who cares for our every need and promises to provide for us. So without any more of an introduction, let's just get right into it. To begin this week's episode, allow me just to read Matthew six twenty-five to 34. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Now, as we dive into this passage, there are just a few things that I want to bring up, and that is that Jesus is laying out some of these like really simple and common um, statements that I imagine he hears as people are praying or has heard as people have expressed their true need for God in various situations. But he talks about some of the simple fact that you really can't do anything about um, these circumstances just by being anxious or just by worrying. And I'm thankful for that because there's a lot of times that, that worrying about circumstances or fretting about what we can't control ends up controlling our lives, and yet the reality is it does nothing to change the state of those circumstances. 
And so what Jesus is actually expressing here, and, and I'm thankful that he does it in this way, is he's talking about three of our most basic needs as human beings. Um, we need to be sheltered. We need to have food. Um, and, and we need to, um, well, so I'm sorry. What does he say? He says, don't be anxious about your life, right? What you will eat or what you will drink or your body, what you will put on, excuse me. So not about the food, not about water and not about having covering, right? These are essentials. These are absolutely crucial to life. And these are things that every human, regardless of whether they acknowledge God as their creator or not, needs these things. But in verse 33, which is where I got the title for this week's episode, Jesus says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. The, the point that I really want to get across in this episode today, and what I think Jesus wants everyone to get across, is that when we enter into the kingdom, when we step into the kingdom, the kingdom in all of its blessings, in all of its um, glory, in all of its goodness, in all of its ability to give us life and provide for us really is an opportunity for us to step into a realm that doesn't function precisely like the realm that we are currently in, i.e. the earth. So while we have the same needs, uh, food, water, and clothing, or food, water, and shelter, our ability to have those needs met is not reduced to what you and I can see right in front of us. In fact, in the kingdom, we now have the God who made all things looking after our needs and providing us with the very things that we need so that we are able to spend our time not focusing on our own needs and where we're going to find food, water, and clothing, but rather focusing on the forgiveness that Jesus has come to offer and sharing that with the world, the love that Jesus has revealed of the Father, that he is empowering us to share with the world, the casting out of demons, the curing of the sick, the caring for the poor, the looking after the widows and the orphans, a lot of the kinds of things that you and I don't have the time to think about when we're focused on thinking about providing for our basic needs. And so what Jesus is teaching is something that's a little bit of, um, of a challenge to us because we don't often think in these terms. And, and I know, to be honest with you, I don't think in these terms. Um, I have not remembered a day in my life where I wasn't sure where my food was going to come from or whether I was going to have any clean water or whether I would have something to wear. My biggest dilemma is what I'm going to eat and what I'm going to wear and how much water I'm going to drink during the day. And so I don't want to pretend that I have some keen insight into the nature of this passage. This passage very well, in fact, can apply and be applied to people who have none of those things and literally are dependent upon God for their daily bread as we pray in the Lord's Prayer. But what Jesus is offering for us to do is to focus our attention on the things that God is concerned with and then let, by faith, God concern himself with the things that we typically are concerned with. And Jesus' logic for teaching this is really simple. You can't do anything about those situations by being anxious. <laughs> 
And yet I'll tell you, anxiety is a real thing. It is a real plague that challenges and frustrates people constantly in our society. We, we are reminded of all the things that we aren't. We're reminded of ways that we, we, we might not succeed in a particular endeavor. And so we worry about it. We fret about it. We wonder what's going to happen. And, and we don't always know the best course of action. Jesus is here using simple things like flowers in a field or birds in the air. And he's talking about these creations, right? Birds are creations. Flowers are creations. They're beautiful things to look at, or maybe beautiful birds are beautiful also to listen to when they're chirping um, or in the early morning. And while they don't spend any of their time worrying about how their needs are going to be met, God himself provides for them because he created them. And I think this is a point that Jesus wants to stress over and over and over to those who are listening to him while he's offering this sermon. Is he saying, look, God knows the depths of everything. He knows the motives going on in your heart while you're praying, for goodness sake. He knows whether you're fasting to draw closer to him or to draw attention to yourself. He knows all of the motives And in fact, so he ends by saying, don't then be anxious saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear for the Gentiles seek after all these things. And your heavenly father knows that you need them all. So what I find that's fascinating here is Jesus is not saying, don't be like the Gentiles who think about these things because you don't really need those. You only need God. And I've been in religious circles long enough to know that I think people mean well when they say those kinds of things. Well, you don't need, you don't need anything in life. You just need God and that's enough. And God doesn't talk that way about himself. He doesn't say I, you only need me and you need nothing else. He says, no, in fact, Jesus is acknowledging very plainly here that Gentiles seek after all these things, but your heavenly father knows that you need them. His love for you is not devoid of the knowledge of the things you actually need in this life. In fact, I think life is the really the, the, the thrust that I see when I read this passage is it starts in the very first verse that I read where he um, exhorts his listeners not to be anxious about their life, what they will eat or drink or about their body, what they will put on. And then he says this, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? So here's what's interesting it is, is I, I focused in and, and in my notes, I just bolded the word life. He's saying, is not life more than food? Like we tend to worry about how we're going to be supplied with food, but we simply reach for food in order to fuel our life. But God himself and particularly Jesus has claimed, I have come that they might have life and have it abundantly. Well, if food is necessary for life, and Jesus has actually come to give us life, then of course he's going to grant us the food that we need in order to make that life work. And so his heart for each and every one of us is that our actual needs would be met 
And he says that the invitation, the graciousness, the compassion, the kindness that he offers to us is his concern for our needs is going to be cared for by him. And because it is, we now have the opportunity to be freed a little bit from that concern such that we can direct our primary attention and primary energy toward the ways of the kingdom. This is a trade-off. It's an exchange. It's an offer that he is laying out before us. Again, not to condemn us, you worriers. I can't believe you're insulting me by, by worrying so much. I really don't think that's Jesus's posture here. He doesn't seem to be just a mean grump who is interested in condemning us every time that we, we, we aren't sure we really believe him. He, he does say to his followers, oh, you have little faith, but he doesn't call them stupid. He doesn't call them, you know, derogatory names or anything like that. He, he's, he's coaxing them to understand the way his father cares for his creation. And he's inviting doubtful, fearful people into that reality and drawing their eyes toward birds drawing their eyes toward flowers and saying, look, God pours all this time and energy into making flowers beautiful. And a few days from now, the sun's going to come out and burn them up and they're going to be gone. He cares like that for day or week old flowers. How much more is he going to care for you? Those made in his image, those he promised to provide for and to protect and to honor. We, of course, unlike birds and certainly unlike flowers, um, have the capacity to wonder if he's really going to pull through. And I think this is one of the temptations that the enemy is constantly at work in. Remember, Jesus encouraged us to pray to the Father not to lead us into temptation, but to deliver us from the evil one. And I do think that forgiveness is a big thrust of the kind of temptation that the enemy is actively engaged in. But this would be another one. And that is to doubt whether God is truly good, whether God can truly provide, or whether the circumstances that we are facing are going to prove to be too big for him to provide for. And that's really what Jesus is drawing us into. He's saying, look, you can worry. You can spend your time. You can be anxious. You can fret over what you cannot possibly control. But he ends by saying, don't be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. You see, Jesus invites us, as he does in the Lord's Prayer, to give us this day our daily bread. He invites us into a present, moment-by-moment -moment walk with him. What I found is that most worrying takes place regarding things that are going to happen at some point in the future. The idea is that we can't control the future and so we worry about it. We, we stay up late. We hope that nothing bad happens to our kids or we hope that nothing bad happens to our churches or, or, or to our retirement or to our current um, employment and whether or not we're going to have a job in six months. It's very common and I think Jesus would, uh, would extend his understanding of the way the Gentiles approach um, these things. And of course, Gentiles in Jesus's language just means those who are not followers of his. Um, 
he speaks interchangeably there about Gentiles and sort of you know, non-believers. He says, these people spend all their time thinking about these kinds of things. Why wouldn't they? Um, they're, they're taught from the time they, they're small till they grow up and be full-grown adults. If you don't take care of your own responsibilities, you know, nobody else is going to step in and do that for you. In the kingdom, God doesn't step in and, and, and meet our needs and, and take care of our responsibilities so that we don't have to. God simply is present to constantly be the one who we can count on to, to work with us and in our lives and among us and around us to constantly provide the things that we need. So we work hard, right? We, we, we get a job, we save our money, we go buy food, we go buy water, we buy clothes, but we don't spend our time and our energy and our focus worrying that we won't have those things when we actually need them. This is a moment where trusting in him and living in the kingdom by faith actually takes real shape. Because in every one of our lives, there are things that you and I can think about that we actually need. We need provided for. We, we need cared for. We, we, we want to know that we're safe. We want to know that we're secure. And worrying about whether or not those things are going to be true when that happens is something that's far outside of our control. We can't control the future. What we can control is how we are responding to the life that Jesus has come to bring us right now. Right now. And what Jesus is saying is, right now, I want you to focus on the kingdom, seeking first the kingdom and seeking first the righteousness that I'm talking about. And all these things that you actually need, they'll be provided for you as well. But it is possible to concern yourself so much with these things, the food, the water, the clothing, the things that we worry about. And in the midst of all that stress and in the midst of all that worry and in the midst of all those sleepless nights, fail to ever fully, truly engage the righteousness of the kingdom that Jesus has been talking about since the beginning of chapter five. This is what I think he's after. And I know that that's why, I'm pretty sure that's what he's talking about because in the very next chapter, he's going to actually lay this out in really simple terms. You've got two choices. You're either going to build your house on the sand or you're going to build it on a rock. You're going to listen to me. You're either going to bear good fruit or you're going to bear bad fruit. You're going to look at another person and try to evaluate their spiritual standing before God based on what I'm telling you. And you're not going to apply that same standard to yourself in the way you seek to apply the standards that God's laid out before you. You need to take the plank out of your own eye so that you can help your brother get the speck out of his. Like Jesus is really, uh, he's really blunt, um, but he's also really compassionate. And what he's doing, again, if he is truly coming to offer us life, then he has to show us the futility of all the ways we try to protect our life. So what's he doing? What, what, what is the reason why we worry about things in the first place? It's because we aren't sure that the things we value are really going to be there for us when we need them. 
we aren't sure that our children are going to be safe. And so we worry about them. We're not sure that the decisions our employer is going to make in the next six months are going to benefit us financially. And so we worry about those kinds of things. What, what are we doing when we do that? What we are doing is we are trying to construct life for ourselves in every place and time that we do that. We're, we're, we're required to worry because we're, we're entrusting ourselves to produce the life that Jesus said he's come to give us. So this really boils all the way back around again to an issue of trust. Who do we trust to grant us the life that will really cause us to flourish? Do we trust ourselves or do we trust him? If we trust him, then we can seek first his kingdom and his righteousness And know that he will provide the things that we desperately need for life. If we trust ourselves, then we will only be occupied with those kinds of things, as Jesus says the Gentiles are. And we will forget the fact that God can both provide for our needs and give us the opportunity to flourish in this life. And so I think Jesus gives us a choice. Uh, In fact, I know he does because, again, he lays this out for us multiple times in chapter 7 where he gives us a choice. Build your house on the rock. Build your house on the sand. Bad tree, bad fruit, good tree, good fruit. This kind of thing. Apply the same standard of judgment to yourself as you apply to somebody else. It gets really humbling really quickly. But Jesus is inviting us to look out on the hillsides. See the trees, see the flowers, see the birds, hear the birds. And notice how much the Father cares for them. And are you not worth more than them to him? And if you are, you can know that if he cares for the birds and the flowers, he cares for you infinitely more. And that does not mean that I have a simple solution to, for you to tell you exactly how he's going to provide for your needs. That's one of the creative things about God is that he never seems to meet the same two people's needs in the exact same way. He is infinitely creative with infinite wisdom. And in his own infinite wisdom, he will perfectly meet all of your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. He will do it. He will always do it. This is what Jesus is inviting us into. He's inviting us into a kingdom where the basic necessities um, required for life are now going to be provided for um, by God himself, which then frees us up in all of the time and the energy and the resources we spent worrying about those things. We now can focus on his kingdom and on his righteousness, knowing that he is going to care for the things that we normally spend our time worrying about. And so wherever you are today, wherever you are listening to this, maybe you're listening to this just as it came out. Maybe you're listening to this two months after it came out or a year after it came out. It's no accident that you're listening to it now. Something, no doubt, is going on in your life that might be prompting you to worry What is going to happen? 
What are they going to say if I go up to them and start this conversation? How, how is this, this night out with friends? What's it going to be like? How is this next gathering with my extended family? What, what's going to happen? Are we going to be able to reconcile from the last broken relation time, time we got together and things didn't go so well or, or what have you? Whatever you tend to worry about, Jesus is inviting us to seek first his kingdom and the righteousness that he says his kingdom is comprised of and to trust him with these things that we simply cannot control. Because I'll be honest with you, if we spent our time focusing in on his kingdom and on his righteousness, we would be so transformed into the kinds of people who would be more than capable of trusting him and being light as a feather and fully free to receive anything and everything that comes our way so that we worry because we imagine if XYZ happens, it won't be a good situation for us. And I think a lot of times we imagine that'll happen because we have no idea how we would be able to respond appropriately if X, Y, or Z actually happened. Well, X, Y, or Z hasn't happened yet. And when it does, if our hearts are on his kingdom and his righteousness, we will know how to respond in those moments. And we will know that if these things are happening to us and around us and with us or whatever, that God is there too. And he will guide us through it one step at a time. He'll stand right with us because he cares about us more than he cares about the beautiful flowers and the sweet sounding chirping birds. He loves us and he knows it doesn't do us a, a single bit of good to spend our time worrying, fretting, being anxious. He invites us to cast our anxieties onto him because he cares for us. And Jesus invites us that all who are weary and heavy laden to come to him and he will give them rest. I think we are in a world right now where we need true rest. We need rest in that God says, come to me, all you who are weary, and I will give you rest. That's all the time we have for this week on the podcast. Thanks so much for listening in. Um, it's really been fun to work our way through the Sermon on the Mount, and I'm ramping up, I know, to chapter 7. I couldn't help myself today, but we'll be into that next week, and I hope that you'll be tuning in as well. If you have any comments, questions, thoughts, um, please send me an email, um, unbindingthebible at gmail.com. It'd always be nice to hear from you and any others who you think might be encouraged by these episodes. So thanks for tuning in this week, and I will talk to you next time.